All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's been a while, uh, so we've got plenty of news, and we're going to start our previews of all the different divisions this week. So this week, we're going to look at the AFC East and the AFC North. So, hey, we got Connor here, still in Iraq, no flights in sight, and Ronan is over in Cork. How are you getting on? Yep, still in Cork, still surviving, you know, the apocalypse. Like, I think, you know, we have, we have let this one off a while, but I think we were both kind of going, hmm... Is the season going to happen? Is football going to happen? And like, we don't actually still know, but at a certain point, you know, we have to get, we have to preview the season uh, and assume it's going to happen, and that's why we're here. And nothing's major happened over the last couple of months, of course, in the world. You know, the Black Lives Matter movement going uh, off, anti-Semitism in the NFL, big contract signings, yeah, and of course, COVID nineteen, you know, going out of control over on the other side of the Atlantic, uh, while. It's kind of mostly under control in Europe and kind of flaring up in some other places too. It's all—it's been a mad couple of months. Yeah, and like I said, we're right up on it to figure out whether the season's going to happen. Two of the teams, the Chiefs and someone else, are reporting training camp on Saturday apparently. So uh, it is it is really time for them to get going on this. But apparently nothing is currently in place. There's... We'll talk about it in the news section, but basically we don't know how many preseason games, if any, there'll be. We don't know what the training restrictions are going to look like and so on. Uh, so it should be interesting. As I said, yeah, I'm still here in Iraq. We're, fingers crossed, going to be going to be finishing up here in about two weeks' time and flying back home. Uh, but we will see how that goes. As it stands, they've just extended the airport closure here in Kurdistan. We'll, we'll, we'll see We'll see whether or not we can actually get out of here. So we'll start with some of the news. So uh, most recently, I suppose, uh, anti-Semitism has flared up in the NFL. It kind of kicked off with Deshaun Jackson quoting a, well, a fake quote from Hitler about Jewish conspiracy theories and started praising the Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan. Our ex-contributor, Harry, he told us a little bit about some of the, 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 the ideas espoused by some of these groups and it was a little bit... Uh, little bit eye-opening for ourselves this has been followed up with a couple of other players joining in on it and a lot of what they would say is very uh striking silence from a lot of the players no one really standing up particularly in the context of black lives matter and stuff saying that this is unacceptable the eagles have denounced it said that it was bad uh, and that they'll penalize him and jackson has apologized i believe he's starting the um the kind of you know the apology circuit that you get in the yeah. states so he's like, like he's, julian edelman yeah like he's he's he's, he's He's gone to he's gone to speak with a Holocaust survivor and he's taken up an offer to go visit Auschwitz or something along those lines. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, Eagles are in an, a spot where this should be punished more harshly, but they are in dire need of wide receivers, so the business end will probably stop them doing it. And it's not a great look because this is a team that what was it three four years ago? Riley Cooper wasn't reprimanded by them at all for shouting racial slurs at a concert that he was at. So yeah, it's not a great look for the Eagles, and it's really not a great look for the NFL that they're hasn't been a kind of a large statement made about this is unacceptable. Yeah, I suppose to a certain extent, maybe there, there's other issues around discrimination that have, have, have kind of taken the spotlight over the last month or two. Um, and then this kind of came out of nowhere with Deshaun Jackson yeah, sharing this kind of fake quote from Hitler talking about basically the Jewish conspiracy, kind of keeping the uh, black population under control, basically breaking free from that. And then I think that fell into some talk like Nation Islam leader Louis, Far- Louis Farrakhan and he's quite controversial now he's in like that latter part is ended up being more controversial because um, certain players have come out and basically and certain actors have come out and said that they actually support him obviously the Nation of Islam does have a pretty entrenched history with the civil rights movement 
uh, going back to Malcolm X and things like that. So, you know, there is some history, there's obviously a significant history there, but it is uh, undeniable that many of the statements from Farrakhan have been anti-Semitic and have been incredibly uh, damaging to that community. Now, we obviously know the Israel-Palestine situation where some of that might be coming from, but regardless, if you're an NFL player, you'd probably be well well placed to kind of stay away from it. I think, like, Jackson, yeah, they probably should have punished him more, but I think not only do they wide receivers, but he's got a lot of guaranteed money, and I think their legal people probably come to the perspective that this wasn't sufficient to get out of those guarantees. And mm. so I think at this point in the season, and with the cap situation as it's likely to be, you know, in how things should be, but, you know, business end up, you know, speaking in this case, and to be fair to Sean Jackson, once... The, 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 once the, the controversy came up and people were going back at him, he pretty turned around very, very quickly and, as you say, is doing kind of the apology tour of Auschwitz and talking to Holocaust survivors. And, you know, like, uh, you know, you'd worry, like, like I suppose there's a concern that, like, how, many, how long will there be Holocaust survivors to do this for going forward? But, yeah, I think main, the main issue that came up was, like, yeah, this controversy came up. Obviously, it's in the context where lots of other similar controversies coming up and the response was pretty muted and this Farrakhan kind of ambivalence. So I think if you're if you're a Jewish person, you, you can definitely feel a bit disappointed in how this has all ended up being handled by the NFL community up to this point. Yeah, so we kind of mentioned a few times there the Black Lives Matter stuff that's been happening. So obviously it has been a while since our last podcast. I'm sure everyone will have kind of gone through this in depth, but obviously Black Lives Matter protests after the death of George Floyd had a lot of the races in the NFL come into focus, uh, talk about Kaepernick, discussion about him possibly getting back signing, about the treatment of players. And this has had wide ranging impacts. So we've now got uh, the Washington Mazungus are now suddenly going to not be the Mazungus soon. Uh, yeah, the Washington No Names for now. Yeah, so the, the Washington No Names have decided to change their name following pressure from sponsors. Now, <laughs> this is the thing. This big international global Black Lives Matter thing happened and they don't get rid of it because of that. They get rid of it because their sponsors threaten to pull out and Nike stop selling their gear. Um, they have officially announced that their name is gone, but they haven't given us the new one. Caroline also made moves to remove the statue of former owner Jerry Richardson. Obviously, as you remember, he he uh, he sold his stake in the team amidst controversy over racial comments and I think possible sexual misconduct, but I'm not uh, I think that as well, yeah. He was a pretty problematic. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was pretty bad. So uh, if you remember, he had a weird thing put into the contract that... Uh, whoever he sold the team to had to keep his statue up outside. So I believe that's why there was initially there was some talk about Carolina aren't doing the right thing and that they're saying it's for public safety reasons in case someone pulls down the statue. But then my understanding since has been that the contract stipulates that it can't be taken down unless it's for public safety reasons. So that's why they use that mechanism to remove it. So I think it's in the building somewhere not being visible (laughs) to the public. But yeah, so like there was there was a lot of mess over this like so like Breeze really shat the bed when he said like well you know uh i don't i don't want to comment on that i kind of side with yeah like it wasn't it wasn't good wasn't good at all but um yeah like then there's been discussions of like minority hiring rules the rooney rule being assisted and also some kind of like fellowship program that might encourage uh teams through the medium of maybe compensatory draft picks or something to hire minority candidates so there's been a whole mess of stuff around this over the last two or three months yeah, over the last month, obviously, we've seen unprecedented uh, civil uh, social action over Black Lives Matter, a movement that kind of had kind of gone in bat- you know, kind of off the radar for a few years. Mm-hmm. Even the even the kneeling thing with Colin Kaepernick had kind of petered out mostly last year and was kind of mostly ignored. And now, with this new emphasis, the NFL and most of the teams have come out and said, 
uh, yes, this is unacceptable. And obviously, the death of George Floyd was, you know, a horrific act that, that shouldn't be with a with precedent. Uh, although, unfortunately, it is in a civilized country such as the US. And now all of this is creating all of these yeah, knock-on effects for the Mazungus with their t- change name, um, with Kaepernick people saying, oh, we regret not signing him. And basically implicitly saying that they didn't sign him because of the business stuff, yeah. finally admitting that. And now he's going to have a Disney documentary about him, so that's that's nice, I suppose. And basically a lot of players and coaches like Bill O'Brien, JJ Watt, Baker Mayfield are all saying, uh, what, you know, obviously the black players will be doing it, but white people, white heavy names like them are also saying that they will be kneeling in uh, August, uh, September when the games start. And yeah, so the NFL is like throwing 250 million at it. And as obviously, I think at the same time, always changing the Rooney rule to try and, you know, basically now you have to interview two minority candidates instead of one. And there was even rumors or reports that they were thinking of adding um, draft picks for people who choose to hire minority coaches. I think that hasn't gone through yet, but there is talk yeah. that that be brought back in the uh, autumn uh, rules committee stuff. So yeah, like it's just been a it's been a, a very eventful couple of months since we last talked. And yeah, the BLM movement's having a huge effect on the social and political forces in America, and it's having having a commensurate effect on the NFL here, um, from team changes to to uh, Kaepernick and you yeah. know, besides Bree and maybe Fangio, and it was like an unfortunate come from Jake Fromm around the same time. Um, most people seem to be on board with us. Yeah. And as you said, this is all against the backdrop of COVID-19, which continues to <laughs> rage on. The US is particularly badly hit, although they don't seem to really care about it. What was it? 70,000 new cases in Florida the day that they reopened Disneyland. Not really, not really the strongest showing. So there are queries about what's going to happen with the league. As we said, we don't have any definitive answers yet. The NFL and the NFL Players Association are, are having conversations back and forth. There's been discussions about putting certain amounts of pay and escrow in case class in case matches don't happen and the big talking point at the moment is the preseason games because obviously they're creeping up on us they should be starting in about three or four weeks time the NFL wants two games the NFL Players Association are saying none uh, we'll see what happens on that but basically we're now at the point where we're expecting them to be landing down as I mentioned there's two teams starting their training camps in theory this Saturday but there's not adequate like countrywide policies and procedures in place so we don't know what's going to happen we've had a lot of players announce that they've had it and particularly including uh, Zeke who decided to announce that he had COVID because he held a party when he shouldn't have had a party and then got high as balls on a live stream admitted it and went oh shit hung up on the call and then proceeded to try and sue I think it's Sports Illustrated for reporting on it it's a uh, it's been a mess. So yeah, basically international games are cancelled. So no London, no Mexico games. Also for our Irish listeners, I'm sure you're aware, the college football in August has been cancelled that was meant to be happening, uh, the, the the game day kickoff for college. But yeah, so it's it's causing basically a lot of we don't know. So that's why we're taking the punt now on, on starting our previews because if we wait any longer, we won't be able to do them in time if it happens. <laughs> Given where things are going, you're kind of going, like, how are they going to make this work? Now, there's been huge documents that they sent back uh, as part of the negotiation with the NFLPA um, and with itself, really, um, about, like, all the testing they're going to do and the bubbles that they need to create and, like, where basically everyone has to stay on campus and not, like, leave the first franchise and certain facility they have to stay in their own team facilities and can't go to, like, local college facilities or go to other, you know, usually during training camp, teams usually visit other teams and that's all basically out the window mm-hmm. and, you know you're kind of going like yeah like you can get all this testing and you do all this thing but realistically when these players show up and get tested like some of them it's almost guaranteed that some of them are going to have it yep. and then what are you going to do 
And of course, even if they do manage to get off the ground and get it to week one and start playing games, what happens when like big stars catch COVID-19 and then aren't able to play in like week three or week four or even in the Super Bowl if we get that far? Like, what is that? What effect is that going to have on this? Like, Bruce Arians talking about like having to roster a third good quarterback to ensure that you don't get completely screwed by COVID-19. And you're kind of going like, how the hell are you going to make this work? And you add on to that that there's now players in the Major League Baseball who are officially opting out of their season and NFL players have started kind of under the radar saying similar things. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine, say, someone like Aaron Rodgers or one of those people who kind of does his own thing. You know, if they decided to say, actually, I'm not going to play this season, what kind of devastating effect that would have on the like, legitimacy of choosing to go through with the season at all? So right now, it's completely up in the air. And yeah, you have all these players, like loads of players from Dallas, Houston, uh, Tampa Bay, probably the other Florida teams, let's be honest, in San Francisco, mm. who have already had it. Like Arizona owner Michael Bidwell had it. And given where the U.S. is going in terms of its trajectory, you know, like even if they get it under control and even if they were to do lockdown again, which they're not doing and they don't seem like they want to do in the next month or two, you're talking about easily being in December before you start going back down on a dance slope based on the experience in other countries. So I have no idea what they're doing over there. I have no idea if they make this work. I don't know if they're going to create like Football Island. Um, yeah, but- like the UFC guys. <laughs> but like, you know, no. We'll assume for now that they really, really want to make this happen. But even if they can make it happen initially, I have severe doubts that they can make it keep happening as the weeks go on. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll fly through a couple because obviously it's been a while. We'll be covering off a lot of the stuff on the individual team reviews and previews. So uh, we'll, we'll try and speed through some of these. So extensions and cuts. The big one, obviously, is uh, Mahomes in Kansas City has signed a 10-year, $450 million contract, $141 million guaranteed. This is an extension so it means his current contract sits, I think, at 503 million if you include the incentives. Very good for both Mahomes in terms of what he gets out of the deal, but then for the team as well because there's outs built into it. So it's essentially really a five to six year contract that would then be renegotiated at that point and all of the back half is just going to be guaranteed a year or so in advance of it coming in yeah. so that basically it is a kind of a renegotiation spot each each year after year five of the con or well I suppose because it's an extension after year seven of the contract yeah but of course they have to make the decision early so he still has a lot of leverage in that situation yeah of course you know are we gonna decide not to have him like we have to cut it like because you have to cut him right now or the money becomes guaranteed, so you're kind of stuck in a situation mm-hmm. that you don't want to be in. So, like, like let's be honest, if he plays at the level he's been playing, that's not going to be an issue. But yeah, like Patrick Mahomes has come into the league, and you know he's been the league MVP. He's won the Super Bowl. It's like not there's not much else that you can ask for a player who's only played two seasons. And <laughs> yeah, given given the talent he's had, given the ridiculous skill that he's shown as a quarterback. Uh, there's no reason not to believe that him getting the largest contract by about 10 million per year and a t- unprecedented 10 million 10 year contract biggest in sports history in the US and probably in the world yeah yeah like yes it's a lot of money but he is very very good and if he plays at the level that he's played so far in his career then this will look like a bargain uh, by the end of it because if he gets up to the 500 million that means he's been winning AFCs winning Super Bowls yeah. MVPs and his, his, I think Connor as a KC fan you're probably really happy about yeah that. like I said like the incentive that's very interesting is every year has a 2.5 has 2.5 million in incentives and what that is is 1.25 million for if uh, he wins league MVP and 1.25 million for if he wins the AFC championship game so uh <laughs> like, 
I'll pay two and a half million to have that happen every season, you know? But you no, know, it's, it's good. And like I said, gives nice stability for Mahomes. It works out fairly team-friendly for the first four or so years of the contract. And even then, it's jumping to 40 million or 41 million, which is, let's be honest, we're not a million miles away from that level as it stands. In four or five years, I don't think 40 million will look that weird to be paying a quarterback full stop. It's, well, the, it's the back end you're worried about. Well, the cap, the cap stuff might be a bit... Slower than increase. There, yeah, there's the, 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 that's a whole other conversation about like what happens if the league doesn't happen this year. But yeah, next one up, Houston extended offensive tackle Laramie Tunsil, three years, sixty-six million with fifty million guaranteed. This had to happen. They gave up a lot of draft capital to bring him over. He played well for them. Houston have. I'm surprised they don't know that they've gotten the contract in place. Just turn around and trade him for like a third round pick or something, given how they're normally going. But look, good makes sense. Probably, probably a rich enough contract for Tunsil but like he played well and they like they couldn't let him leave yeah they, they, they had, he had him over a barrel like considering what they gave for him and given the unhappiness there had been about certain players being leaving the team uh, uh, so I think yeah like, did, like they did all these things to make money for someone like Tunsil and now he gets paid like he's a very good left tackle um, but of course you know anytime you're spending like 20 million plus on a non-quarterback you're kind of going okay will this be worth it but Hey, look, if he's protected, if he can protect Deshaun Watson and make sure that he's able to play to an effective level, then this will probably be well invested in the end. Yeah, no, of course. Um, next up, we then have uh, San Francisco have extended their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, by six years. This is early in his contract. I think he still had two years left or something along those lines. But they like what they've seen. They like the development they've seen under him. He's well-respected as an offensive mind. Got to the Super Bowl last year. Like, makes sense. Pay the man. Keep him, keep him in place. Let him develop longer term. Um, New England signed Cam Newton, but we'll cover that obviously in the in the preview today. Uh, the lucky bastards. The one thing I will point out is the fuckers got him for like league minimum. They're paying him about a million because they didn't have any money. And then after fucking decisions today, from based on both the Antonio Brown and the Aaron Hernandez contract. They now have seven million in additional cap space, so it's not like they're going to give him a fucking updated contract now with that. So they just get him for for for, for pennies again. And um, San Francisco running back Raheem Mostert has said he wants to trade, and then he's come back and said, "Actually, no, I don't want to trade. Just pay me more money to stay here." <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Yeah, Cleveland tight end David Jokers also like these. We'll we'll see with these players, but like yeah, like this is about the time of season where you can get them mm. make some noise. I think that Dalvin Cook is kind of was kind of holding out of the like digital like stuff. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, camp stuff, but like given the new CBA and the much more stringent punishment and like taking your money away if you don't show mm-hmm. up at camp, I don't think. It's likely that any of these guys no. will actually hold that. Like, Mozart probably deserves the money. He played really well for them in the back end of last year. He has, what, six yards a carry or something on average at the moment. Yeah, but it's like half a year. Like I know, but like, but it, but it is a spot of like, he, look, he's not going to get paid in San Francisco. They keep a rotation of five or six running backs because there's always three of them injured at any given time there. But like, I think it makes sense that he wants to get out and try and get a, a job being paid a little bit more somewhere else. It's a short career for them. And in Joku, if I remember correctly, they picked up a, they picked up a, Austin yeah, Austin Hooper. So like, yeah, I can see him wondering like, what's my role here if Hooper's got a three year deal and I've got one year left on my contract like they're obviously not wanting me long term but yeah we'll see crime and punishment man there's been a lot of this uh, okay <laughs> I, I, even, I even had the cut like Damien Williams getting held up in LA airport like. yeah okay New England the day that they signed Cam uh, basically used that to cover over the fact that they were finally nabbed for their 
filming of the Bengals sideline. They were docked a third round pick and a $1.1 million fine for it. Yeah, so they hit it with the signing so that it wouldn't really be talked about that much, but seems like a fair cop for them. Like, there was no excuse for what they were doing and all these kind of, oh, why does the league always hate us? How come they always give us harder penalties than anyone else? It's New England. They have fucking form in doing this. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with this at all. You know, it, you know, it could be a coincidence, but... It doesn't feel like a coincidence. It feels like this was a situation where, you know, well, we're going to sign Cam anyway. You might as well do it the same day where the league announces this and then take that immediately off the thing. And, like, you know, obviously New England's history probably is part of the reason why they got a slightly harsher punishment than certain of their fans feel they should have got. But I think overall it's hard not to come away with the conclusion that, you know, this is against the rules. It's very clear there in black and white. They've been caught for doing almost the exact same thing previously. Like, it's... Yeah, you punish repeat offenders more harshly. But yeah, so that's the Giants. This one I've just been I've been reading up on this one the last week, and it's just cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seattle cornerback Quinton Dunbar were arrested for armed robbery, stealing jewelry and cash from a house party. Then this has come back into the news this week because a load of text messages have surfaced of them pay, trying to pay off witnesses, and I felt really bad because if I remember correctly, they paid off one witness twenty grand, one witness fifteen grand, and the last one got like three grand. <laughs> like that guy needs a new agent like <laughs> fucker. but yeah so they're both going to training camp they're both saying that they don't think it's true they think it's blackmail and then I think I read somewhere that one of them was trying to claim that the paying off of them was to prove it was blackmail so like I got caught paying them off because well, yeah, they wanted me to pay them the off lawyers, like, the lawyers are saying these were known criminals and stuff like that now the lawyers have been replaced with different lawyers because of the uh, evidence that came out that the lawyers were you know, may have been paying people off. And so, yeah, like, both of them are currently, I believe, have been allowed to go to camp. Both of them are obviously hoping that this ends up, you know, being too uncertain to prosecute. But mm. certainly there's enough shady stuff to hear to believe that uh, it certainly uh, wasn't what either, what their lawyers were saying early on have been a setup. Like, maybe the other guys aren't all clean either, but certainly there's a lot of shadiness going on here. And it seems like a really weird situation. And, yeah, definitely could lead to them both looking at suspensions if if more evidence similar to what we've seen comes to light. No, of course. Kansas City cornerback Rashad Breeland was arrested after a traffic stop. He was found with open alcohol container and marijuana and then was tied down to a resisting arrest charge. I think he already was facing a four-game ban at the start of the season, so we'll see what happens with this. If it becomes a huge amount more, I imagine he just won't be in Kansas City anymore. But they, they are in need of cornerbacks, so they'll need to find some... UDFAs or some people who are cut off other ones to fill in because Breland played decently for KC down the stretch last year so we yeah, you know. I don't think he's getting paid much sorry. he's not he, he did the rounds he couldn't get a free agent pick up so he yeah. came back on I think like 1.5 million or something like that something oh. pennies like Buffalo defensive tackle Ed Oliver has a driving while intoxicated charge Washington no names Cody Latimer has five charges including assault Jesus he likes to get them in in bunches and uh, the Giants kicker Aldrick Rosa was arrested on a hit and run charge also while on a suspended license and driving around I think in the city at about 100 miles an hour so like yeah. kickers kickers can be crazy too there's been a, there's been a lot of a fair amount of uh, interesting acts going on here and uh, yeah like Ed Oliver is obviously a, a key player for Buffalo so he, he he's, if he ends up being suspended that will be important for them uh, whereas Latimer is kind of fringe wide receiver yeah. and that's, these are fairly serious uh, charges against him I believe and then mm-hmm. Albert says he's a kicker so he's going to get kicked out uh, pretty quickly yeah, yeah. the evidence given so far but you know this time it's not ju- like you know we always want the players getting you know doing crimes and stuff like that but 
this time we actually have a couple of players who ended up being on the receiving end of uh, some uh, yeah. criminal actions. So Baltimore safety, that must hurt when you say Baltimore safety. Like, ah, look, like he, he gave, gave yeah. enough and be fair. Earl, 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 Earl Thomas was threatened at gunpoint by his wife. She found Earl cheating. From all accounts, uh, Earl and his brother were doing uh, the devil's threesome with, uh, with a lady on yeah. a boat. It's been roasting, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's like brotherly bonding and then there's just weird shit like this. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. his wife pulled a gun on them. <laughs> like, it's just so crazy. She didn't shoot him, so it's okay. Top down. Mostly people have been roasting him for like basically having a threesome with his brother but also like this is a terrible situation for them and Philadelphia tight end Dallas Goddard got sucker punched at a bar uh, the guy who was there who's suspected has been charged with assault uh, so yeah just weird times it was an interesting few weeks and like usually this would be kind of like things we talk about more but given everything that's happening in the world these are our mere uh, small notes upon the last couple of months of, oh, of course. news Philadelphia guard Brandon Brooks has torn his Achilles and he's gone for the season. San Francisco wide receiver Devo Samuel has broken his foot so he could miss the start of the season. And I believe I saw there reported earlier that are the Eagles bringing back the retired... Yeah, so they, they signed Jason Peters to replace Brandon Brooks. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's going to kick inside to guard. Other bits, uh, Hall of Fame coach Don Shula died at 90 years old. He's the most career wins as a head coach. San Francisco offensive tackle Joe Staley is retired. Probably going to the Hall of Fame. I don't yeah, imagine. Yeah, he'll get in eventually, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then they, they traded for Trent Williams uh, to replace him. But as I said, we'll, we'll probably talk more about San Francisco's O-line uh, yeah, when we come to their preview. They are increasing IR boomerang to three people per year, so that's when you can put someone on IR designated to return so that they're not gone for the season. They've changed the rule to stop running extra time off the clock, the Bill Belichick rule will say, because he used it against people and then kicked up a pissy fit whenever people use it against him. And uh, then there's also some defensive receiver protection for returners. Uh, the onside kick alternative was voted down and the sky judge has been shelved but they're going to have more consultation with the with the central HQ in New York or something which yeah. to be honest just sounds like a watered down version of having a sky judge if it does anything so like you know Don Shula obviously a titan in NFL history and Bill Belichick's basically the only person who might overtake his winning record in terms of total wins and yeah Joe Staley probably going to the Hall of Fame I think eventually and these rule changes are mostly fairly okay. We'll probably see a few other minor rule changes specifically for this year due to the COVID yeah, yeah. to make it more flexible. Uh, but I think finally, before we get onto the uh, preview, just the results of our mock draft competition in number four with me with 11 points. <laughs> Uh, Daniel Jeremiah our, our NFL expert that we compare against got 13 points Connor you got 15 points you won out of the humans in the <laughs> human league but the consensus for the second year in a row an algorithm that combines all of our our predictions into a single entity uh, won this year again with 18 points mm. so well done to statistical algorithm consensus uh, for 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 win, I get win two. Well done, well two. done. Uh, good asshole. You'll you, you'll you'll come around to it in a while, Fitz. You'll get back into the game. <laughs> I think I think I came second last year as well. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get I went, there. I went ballsy, and then yeah, So I suppose we'll move on. We'll do our previews. Um, we'll start with the AFC East. 
Okay, so first up, we'll look at the Bills. Big additions for them. They traded their first-round pick for Stephon Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, defensive line, they've now got Mario Addison, AJ Epinesa, Vernon Butler, Quinton Jeffries, and kind of running backs brought in Zach Moss and Tywin Jones. They lost Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips from the D-line. Uh, Lump of their defensive backs, Kevin Johnson, Kirk Coleman, Lorenzo Alexander, and Frank Gore, the inconvenient truth. Uh, so obviously, this will be an interesting one to see. This is a team that was looking to challenge last year came pretty pretty close uh, to, to to their division they were missing a few bits like the one of the one of the main questions is going to be the same one as last year which is Josh Allen sometimes looks really good and sometimes looks like he's not an NFL level quarterback they've now decided to give him the pieces he needs Stefan Diggs is a legit number one they've brought in protection for him they've got running backs in there can Josh Allen be their franchise quarterback? Because they weren't far off last year and their defense showed up real good. So if he was just 5% better, they were definitely a playoff team and they were challenging for that division. So do we think that they've done enough here with the wide receiver, with the running backs and everything to, to, to try and bolster the, the offense? I'm, I'm, I'm probably like you. Like I see Josh Allen. He's a very interesting, intriguing prospect. But I, I, every time that teams try to go to, like, they get a unique player like Josh Allen. Um, it's almost like something like having to Cam Newton, and then they kind of go, okay, let's try and make him a real quarterback. Uh, so let's get him Stefan Diggs. Um, let's get another running back, Zach Moss, in uh, to go with Singletary, mm-hmm. and then, like, get a run-first approach, and then hopefully Josh Allen can go become the next, like, get the next level as a passer. And, like, the thing is, like, accuracy, those kind of concerns... It's very rare that players make major leaps in terms of that. Usually, they kind of, if they have bad mechanics, they probably end up keeping with them. Even someone like Philip Rivers has kept his bad mechanics after all mm-hmm. these years, and, and it's tough to get that out of them. Like it, and that kind of means that, like, is Josh Allen the kind of quarterback who can get them back into games when they're far behind? Is he the one who can lead them to like a, a 12 and 4, 13 and 3 type record? And to be honest, still, I haven't seen enough from him. It kind of, still to me, it's kind of a, a poor man's Cam Newton, or I should say, Pete Cam Newton. Mm. And to a certain extent, like, I don't, I just don't see him having that kind of super Cam type season that we saw a few years ago. And so, yeah, I think this is a really solid team, and Sean McDermott is a very good coach. I very much rate him. And I think the talent that they have in the defense means that defense should be better. But if you're asking me, have the Bills gone from being a wild card team to an AFC like championship contender alongside the Ravens and, and the Chiefs? No, I, I still kind of see them maybe as a slightly improved version of last season. Yeah. You know, they'll win a lot of games, they'll make games tough for you, but if you get far enough ahead of them, I don't see them as a team that can really threaten to come back. And I think in today's NFL, where big scores can happen all the time, even if you have a good defense, like above, like a good defensive person like McDermott, I don't think it'll be enough. So I think I have them as a solid team, but not being one of those major concerns to the top dogs in the AFC. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of similar. Uh, I have, I have them. I think we've got the same record, but I've got the, it working out a little bit better for them. I have the AFCs not being a good division this year, but uh, um, like, like the thing is, look, they've got some new pieces on the D line, and McDermott's there. We'll see what they can do with that because they were good at shutting down stuff, but they weren't maybe you know. Maybe they needed a bit more pressure from there. The one thing that I really don't understand is the investment at the running back position. Yes, they lost Frank Gore, but I spent most of last year going, Singletary is brilliant, just use Singletary. I don't necessarily know that they needed that much more at that position that maybe it could have been better spent on some more O-line or something for them. Yeah, but 
I think it is a run-first type team. Now, it's frustrating if you're into fantasy because uh, Josh Allen takes a lot of the, 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 the rushing touchdowns and all that kind of situation. Um, but they they are a run-first team, and that includes having good running backs. I think, obviously, it is a bit of a worry. Like, I think it's a bit of a worry to me without Franco. There's no mentorship there anymore. You're relying on second and rookies to mm-hmm. kind of get it done. And, like, Zach Moss is a very talented player, and people are interested in him, and he could have a good season there. But, yeah, Singletary, I think, has enough to be their franchise back. But I think, given how much they affect the run, I wouldn't be surprised to see them need to have at least some... Uh, someone spell him occasionally. Yeah, fair enough. Um, like, and to be fair, Stefan Diggs did really well in uh, Minnesota where they ran a play-action orientated scheme mm-hmm. where the run game was established and he kind of got wide on one-on-one. On one. Um, so if they can replicate that type of scheme or, or something similar to it, then Stefan Diggs should have good success. It's just a matter that when they're behind and they need to go pass first, is Stefan Diggs and John Brown, is he going to be able to get to them in those tight windows? Yeah. So I think we've both got them going 9-7 and seven this year. Uh, yeah. I, for me, that's good enough for the four seed to win the division. For you, it's seventh. And they, yeah. they get the first seventh uh, seed into the playoffs from the AFC. Yeah, and they get eliminated in the walk very good. Yeah, I don't. I I haven't taken note of my my playoff predictions. I should actually do that. But I think I don't. I don't. I don't think I have them getting past their first round anyway. So that's fine. Dolphins up next. Obviously, big addition is to a Tonga Vailoa. Uh, they added Byron Jones, Calvin Noy, Shaq Lawson, Noah Ibogine. Oh, I'm not going to even get that one right. And Ogba as well. They also then added Matt Breida, Jordan Howard, Austin Jackson, Eric Flowers, Robert Hunt. They lost. Charles Davis, Taco Charlton, Rashad Jones, Akib Tlaib, Evan Boehm, uh, Daniel Kilgore, and Clive Walford. A lot of change. <laughs> a lot of change. But to be fair, like if, if we think about it, like this was a Dolphins team that we were laughing at going into last season of like this isn't a this isn't a roster worthy of being an NFL team, and they managed to pull what four wins, five wins out of it last year, which was just crazy. It wasn't just crazy in terms of the record; it was crazy how they were doing it as well, like the way Fitzmagic yeah. to play and pull. You know, basically bullshit out of the back of his arse every single game. It, it didn't necessarily feel like a sustainable solution for a football team, but no. it was a lot of fun to see him hoofing up to Devontae Parker and Parker suddenly coming out of nothing to be a really good player. Um, but of course, this season, you know, it's going to be impossible to ignore the calls for Tua. Obviously, his college reputation is through the roof. He is obviously coming off that major injury, and he's saying he's healthy. We'll see if they're willing to risk him in year one or if it's magic can do enough to kind of, you know, allow Flores to kind of keep him on the bench and do Mahomes with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, on offense, I think the big thing is like they got these new offensive linemen. They got Austin Jackson in the draft, Eric Flowers in free agency. They bring in Matt, they trade for Matt Breida. They bring in Jordan Howard. Like they could really do with a run game because their run game mm-hmm. last year was absolutely it was atrocious. atrocious. You know, and like, Kenyon Drake left them and became good, so I don't know if that's a scheme thing mm-hmm. or if it's just he didn't suit the system. And so I think it's a situation like Matt Breida, he had some really, really good moments with San Francisco. Jordan Howard's a solid, you know, just go up the middle, get you like three or four yards per play. If they get a reasonable running game, then certainly I can see them doing a lot, being a lot more consistent. Yeah. And of course, the defense, you have Brian Flores, he came from the New England system as a defensive coordinator. They bring in Byron Jones. Uh, who's a very good defensive back who's very much good for man-for-man breaking up plays but then you have all these uh, pass rushers like Van Noy, Lawson, Ogba if they can improve their pass rush we always know that helps and yeah like they they, you know this is a team that I expect to churn continue to churn and probably if we didn't have COVID-19 we'd be churning the roster even more than we already seen but Mm -hmm. uh, 
yeah, like they're very hard. Like it's probably like if if Buffalo are kind of like a solid like you can, it's hard to see them like being below seven and nine, but like or above eleven and like eleven and five. Miami only seems that could be anywhere between like four wins to twelve wins, depending how the landing yeah. went. Because they're such a, I think, given what we saw last year, we, we probably both rate Flores, and it's just a matter of whether these new talents can come in and make an immediate impact for them. Yeah, like this is the thing. I think that because of there's been so much change in the fact that I expect that they'll swap QB mid-season and all that kind of stuff. That like that they'll just be they'll just be too much, too many moving parts. Now, if I'm wrong, that's great. Uh, I'm just. I've got a feeling that this is this is a team that's building and is going to be ready to go next year. I don't think it's one that's ready to go in 2020. Like I like I like some of the additions, but like you said, like Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, great. Three years ago, I'm really excited about this pairing. Now I'm not so sure. Like I rate Howard a lot higher than a lot of other people, but I'm also like I'm not I'm not sure that's what we're going to get from here. I'm not sure it necessarily lends itself to to Fitz's play I think it lends itself to Tua's play if Tua is to be coming in and does more bootlegs and stuff but even at that what's the mobility like for him now is it lessened or is it going to be the exact same we don't know my, my issue is that if, if we knew Tua was starting from day one I'd probably put them two to three wins higher than I have but I think Fitz is going to win one or two games. They're going to try and hold off, and then they're going to have to move into it. And also, to be honest, I looked at it; they don't have a they don't have a great schedule this year. I've got them going four and twelve, best for the worst spot in the AFC. You've yeah, got them. I got them eight and eight, which would be good for good enough for ninth. Mm. I think there's one of these things. Like I just, I'm willing, given what I saw last year, to trust that Brian Flores can put together a really good defense with his additional talent, mm. and then on the offense, they'll probably continue to be ridiculously inconsistent, but they'll have enough good games. Um, that they can get up to being I think they'll be in contention for some time but they won't have enough consistency mm. to kind of make it through in the end so um, I'm interested to see what they're like they're one of the most fascinating teams this year yeah. of course the season this, this is interesting because I think I think that we have inverted views on the Dolphins and the Jets <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like we'll move on to the Jets uh, they've added basically an entire new O-line Mekdi Becton George Fant uh, Greg Van Roden Connor McGovern and Josh Andrews. Uh, they've also added a couple of DBs, Pierre Desir, Quincy Wilson, Ashton Davis, and then also added in Denzel Mims, Prashad Perryman, Frank Gore. They lost Robbie Anderson, Ty Montgomery, Demarius Thomas, Brandon Shell, Ryan Khalil, Tom Compton, Kevin Beecham, uh, Tremaine Johnson, and Daryl Roberts. Look, the, the, the problem with this team is real simple. Adam Gates should not be a, a head coach in the NFL. He shouldn't be a fucking coach in the NFL, full stop. He doesn't know what the fuck he's up to. <laughs> But if you if you look on paper and you go, okay, what needs to happen with this team? We were getting killed. Our O-line was terrible. Okay, maybe it's not a fucking world beater, but they've brought in a load of O-linemen to try and help that. That should hopefully help Bell get their running game going. They lost Robbie Anderson, yeah, but they've added a few pieces in. Like, Robbie Anderson was good when he was on, but was inconsistent, so... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they can do beyond that. Like their defense looks okay. They had some nice pieces, but they've got they've got fights going on with some of their best players at the moment and everything. There's a lot up in the air. But I kind of like the quarterback. I kind of like the O line at least versus what we had last year. Uh, I like I like the potential here. Yeah, and that potential be really well used when Adam Gates is gone. Like, but uh, <laughs> like I just I just think Adam Gates he's he's shown an ability to throw away talent and yeah like they brought in a lot of interesting offensive linemen I think Mekdi Beck in their, their first round pick should be pretty good off the off the uh, off the blocks but like the free agents they brought in like George Fan and Greg Van Roten um, are kind of they're question marks we're not really sure if they're much better than the 
Brandon Shells uh, and Tom Compton mm. and Kelvin Beecham's that they were putting out there previously. Their defensive backfield last year was a mess. And now they bring in Pierre Desir and they trade for Quincy Wilson and they finally get rid of Tremaine Johnson who, who was a major free agency bust. And you're kind of going like, like Pierre Desir, Quincy Wilson, they both have moments but neither of them are, are guaranteed like superstars. Yeah, they, yeah can, like that, they, they that DB edition strikes me like what I think about the running back additions to the Dolphins of yeah. like, I'd be happier two years ago. <laughs> like they get rid of like Robbie Anderson and Demarius Thomas, two question marks in terms of when they show up and very inconsistent. Uh, Robbie Anderson in particular has really good upside, but, but you know has missing lots of games. Mm. And they bring in Brashad Perryman, who like had had like a decent half season with Tampa Bay, and Denzel Mims a rookie. Like we know how many like he's a, a top a top of the second round rookie. Like we know how many rookie wide receivers struggle in their first year and second year. Yeah. Like it's expecting a lot for him to come up and show up. So like for me, this is just a team with a whole lot of questions and with the right coach and with a coach that I rate, I go, okay, I can see the upside, I can see the potential. But when I see Alan Gates, I see a, a, a coach who's bad at motivating the player, he's bad at play calling, and then you have problematic players like Le'Veon Bell who are making issues. You know that Darnold's you know, he had a tough, tough 2019 with all the con- with his kissing disease and his seeing ghosts, and you know a lot of things that affected his confidence. And you're kind of going like, this is easily a team that could flame out very, very hard. Maybe they can put it all together, but I just feel with Adam Gase, things the downside is much more open than the upside. Um, so in my case, I'm going to put them three and thirteen, having a disastrous season, firing Adam Gase probably by week ten or eleven, mm. and ended up fifteenth in the AFC. I got them going seven and nine, good for a right middle of the pack eight seed. Kind of possibly pushing at the tail end for that seventh, but like not really being in the mix. I also think they're going to fire Adam Gase, but I think that's also when they're going to start winning a few more games. Like I think I think we're going to see players in the field play well, and they'll be they'll be fucking hassle over it because I think the guys are already getting it in the neck around it. They can get some of their angry players happier and stuff. And yeah, like I think I yeah I think seven and nine right. is like is is it going right, well for them? In charge again, is it? Oh God, yeah, nothing like it. Um, but yeah, so I got them seven and nine. Like I said, I think I don't think there's I don't think there's much kind of growth in the ceiling of that. I don't I don't see them turning it on and going for twelve wins. But yeah, fair enough. Jets. Uh, I'm a bit more positive, but you know we still don't even have you going five hundred. Uh, Patriots are up next. This one is an interesting one. They've added Brian Hoyer, uh, who's now going to be their QB, and then Cam Newton to obviously be the backup. Um, <laughs> No, no. Little Stidham, you know. Yeah, little little Stidham's there just to to hold the clipboards. Uh, they've added Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, and Bo Allen on the defense, and then added Marquis Lee and Damian Bird. They lost obviously Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, although he wasn't there last year, but he's he's gone technically now. Yeah, Dante technically. Dante Scarnecchia, Philip Dorsett, Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, Duran Harmon. Yeah, a lot of lot of, lot of people going out. This is you know the media will say this is the year that Belichick can show that you know it's him and it's not just him and Brady uh, that they're not tied to each other. Uh, and of course, you know now they don't have anyone that they can point to as be like, look, this is a groundbreaking quarterback who's an MVP level player that is actually able to escalate your game plan. <laughs> you know now there'll be no questions about it if it goes well. Yeah, so obviously the main question coming into this is going to be can Cam win out the starting job I think as long as he's healthy he clearly does uh, or will one of the others Stidham or Hoyer take it and then if I'm quite honest like I I think that they've lost I wouldn't be focusing on the Tom Brady I'd be focusing on the pieces that they've lost off that defence 
about the fact that they're just lacking in so many places. Like this was a team that had on paper a good defense last year, but it was actually just being flattered by the fucking by the by the tomato cans it was playing for the first ten or eleven weeks. We had an offense that wasn't firing on all cylinders under Brady to start with anyway. That's now lost pieces. Defense has lost pieces. Cam is really good if he's on, but like, is he enough? Like, it's the classic thing, like, but it, but Bill Belichick, basically. Like, it's kind of like, Bill Belichick has won for so much. And even the one data point we have for him without Tom Brady, of Matt Castle, you know, 11-5. and five. Uh, Obviously, as a Chiefs fan, you're well aware of the consequences <laughs> of that. Yeah. Uh, the Matt Castle era. Um, thankfully, it's all behind you, Connor. 10 years of Pat Mahomes. You never have to worry about that crap again. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, like, I think Cam Newton... Certainly makes them more interesting, and if anyone, you know, I know it's a cliche, but if anyone can make something out of Cam Newton and kind of get him back up to being where we think he could be, then obviously it's Bill Belichick, and you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Obviously, they don't really because he's not their franchise quarterback for the long run. Probably they can basically run him as the old type Cam, even if he's not quite as healthy to do it anymore. But you know, I think the few times that we've seen Cam Newton healthy. Even over the last couple of years, he has still shown those flashes of being at a really exciting quarterback, of being someone able to make plays that mm-hmm. no one else is able to do. When you're just that kind of physically imposing, with that kind of arm when he's healthy, and with that ability to run, there are just things that you can do with him that you can't do with any other quarterback in the league. Yeah. And it's just it's a complete open question mark whether they can do with him. But even if they have to go back to Brian Hoyer or, or Stidham, they'd probably still be a solid, like, you know, approaching eight and eighteen because that would just make them basically Tom Brady light type thing. Because like, let's be honest, Tom Brady the last couple of years hasn't been like, especially last year, wasn't quite where he was in previous years. And they lost Dante Scarnetti, so maybe the offensive line will be go back yeah. to where it was the year he left as well. But yeah, I suppose the big question is if their defense, which is aging and has lost these talented players, if if it takes a step back, how bad could things get? It could get pretty bad, but once again, I just, you know, Bill Belichick, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, at this point of the season, in terms of blowing stuff, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he'll probably still make this a competitive team. And in an AFC, which I see lots, AFC East with lots more question marks than answers, that may be good enough to still get to the playoffs this year. Mm. Yeah, so you have them going 10 and 6, winning the division and going out in the wildcard round, is it? Yeah, so 10-6, yeah. number four seed and I have the wildcard. Yeah, I have them at 7-9, and nine, getting the ninth seed and not making the playoffs. And that is uh, that is based on an improvement, including Cam, because I was not rating Stidham and their roster before that. I think Belichick is very good. I think the loss of Skarniecki is going to hurt, particularly with a lot of the ways that they play. Uh, yeah. I think trying to establish a running back without that's not going to be great. I think Cam Newton is going to need that line if they're to utilize him because he's not as fast as he was. So I think the loss of the O-line will actually be, of the O-line coach will be, will be a big issue for them as well. So I got seven and nine. I can see the upside. If Cam comes back and Cam is like, Cam is fully healthy versions of Cam, then definitely I could see it happening. But um, at that point, I don't think it answers the question about Belichick because I think that's just, if Cam is full health, you just let Cam play. Like, that's yeah. all you do. Um, he's had to prove something, so willing to do it properly yeah of course um, but yeah so that'll, that'll wraps up for the AFC East we'll go over and have a look at the AFC North so first up we have the Bengals uh, who I was a little bit overly high on last year I'll say uh, I still st- <laughs> I still 
<laughs> I, I still stand by the things that I said though of like which parts were going to be good and I was right about some of the parts that were good uh, just didn't, <laughs> didn't fully understand how bad some of the other parts were going to be so obviously they've added Joe Burrow they've added a lump of defensive backs CJ Reader, Trey Waynes Von Bell Mackenzie Alexander and they also got uh, wide receiver T Higgins to then pair with AJ Green and John Ross on that offense they lost the Red Rifle Andy Dalton uh, Darquise Denard Drake Patrick BW Webb and Andrew Billings are all gone from the defense and they also lost Cordy Glenn and Tyler Eifert um, so yeah like this is going to be a whole new Bengals team that's going to be running out there new quarterback new offensive scheme if they're going to bring in some of the college stuff that they said they were going to bring in they've added T Higgins so there's going to be a lot of speed weapons on the outside a lot of big bodies I think they're all plus 6-1 or 6-2 like so they're they're they're, they're huge uh mixon was a brilliant running back last year with a terrible line and no one to make them not put eight or nine people in the box so i think the speed and the wide receivers are going to open up stuff for him as well yeah i'm i'm quite excited to see what this offense looks like i think it's going to be good this is like this, this is like you thinking about the arizona cardinals last year that's how i'm thinking about the bengals at the moment of like uh Ooh, this could be very fun to watch. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not convinced. To be <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not like gonna go like, you know, Joe Burrow is gonna save the team in year one. Like, I think he's a very interesting prospect. I think he's gonna be very effective. But like, to be honest, like the system was so effective at LSU last year that you'll wonder that with the tighter windows that he'll have. Like, uh, and obviously he's not coming. Like he doesn't have Joe Brady or anyone from LSU coming with him. He's he's going into a more um, into a more Shanahan type system or, or coming from the the Rams type system. Like yes, that was getting players open a couple of years ago, but people have figured it out to a certain extent now. And they bring in T Higgins, and that's great. Um, and obviously they have a really good wide receiver room with Tyler Boyd and AJ Green if he's healthy and he's able to get the job done. But there's just there's just kind of major holes. Like they have no one at tight end. Like their, like, their offensive line is still a bit questionable to me. And their defense, like, they, they've basically completely overhauled their, their defensive backs. But none of these guys that they brought in are guys that uh, I particularly think will, will will be a huge improvement over what they had there. Like, I think DJ Reader is a really good improvement on the defensive line. But, uh, like, they didn't add that much for a team that, you know, finished, you know, with, with one win. Like, that's it, it isn't the kind of changeover that you expect from a rebuilding team. It just kind of felt like they... They got their quarterback and they went, okay, that's great. And they added some, you know, you know, middle of the road free agents. And they kind of go, and T Higgins in the, in, in the draft. And you're going to go, all right, well, that's done. And you're going to make them into a, you know, a like a, you know, a big win team. And I'm just not seeing it. Like, I think they'll be better, certainly. And I think they can get back up to being like a mediocre team in the NFL. Um, just if Joe Burrow works out, and I think I rate him enough that he can probably at least be decent in his first year. But, and Mixon, I think, will have a great year because he's, I think, he's he's set to continue to to improve over last year even. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I just look at the roster up to top to bottom. I just don't see it as being a, as a contending uh, contending roster just yet. And I, even with the with the with the prediction I have seven and nine and then finishing eleven, I to be honest, I I almost see more downside of that than upside. But I'm willing to give Joe Burrow the benefit of the doubt and say that he can have a good year one and get the Bengals to be relevant again at least this year. Fair enough. I've got them kind of sitting uh, with 11 and 5 gets them the 5th seed the first <laughs> wild card. I think I think I remember that I think I have them going out at that point but yeah like I just think like 
forget how bad and how injured Andy Dalton looked last year when he was playing and they had Ryan Finley in there for a couple of games and like they have they have the skill position players that are there they have the ability to move the ball around a little bit more honestly I think this younger quarterback will probably better suit the system that they're trying to bring in into there now because like Dalton is a very stilted statuey kind of dude out there with not the world's biggest fucking whip to start with whereas now You've got a strong arm. You've got a bit of mobility. You've got speed and size on the outside. You don't need to be that accurate if every person you're throwing to is 6'4". Like, you know, it's not like, just throw it up for fucking grabs. Just play basketball with them. Like, yes, I agree they need to probably add a tight end. They maybe need to add someone else onto that O-line. But, like, I don't think this team was, I don't think the skill on this team was bad enough to get the results it did last year. And I think they could surprise a lot of people. And they've got a fairly easy run of it. So, uh... We'll see, we'll see. Uh, stand for life, stand for life. I like it for an upset. Much more so than the next team that everyone seems to go like, well, last year they were overhyped. This year, they're underhyped. They're going to do the fucking business. No, the Browns are going to be shit this year. They're going to be <laughs> shit. Head coach he's Kevin Stefanski. He's there isn't really that big of a, like a stretch. You know, like Historically, you'd be right most of the time. <laughs> Head coach Kevin Stefanski comes in and takes over. They've added Austin Hooper, Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin and Andy Jankovic to the offense. Uh, Kevin Johnson, Carl Joseph, Anderson Dejo and Grant Delpit to the defense. They lost Joe Schobert, Christian Kirksey, uh, Eric Murray, Justin Burris, Demarius Randall, Morgan Burnett, Greg Olson, Eric Cush, Justin McRae. Yes, a lot, a lot out the door immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much. Like, like Schobert is probably the only one there who, who's really been a decent player for them. Maybe Demarius Randall has, has, has flashed a bit. Kirksey's been injured too much to really make a contribution. So, mm-hmm. and Greg Robinson is gone for his own uh, legal issues. Uh, <clears throat> massive <laughs> bags of uh, marijuana over the border. But uh, <laughs> look, we know like Kevin Stavansky is coming in from a very well-established tree of the zone-blocking scheme, of the play-action-type scheme, um, basically coming over... Uh, with, with that type of scheme, basically from the Shanahan uh, scheme, the more boring Shanahan, the elder Shanahan, uh, I should say. Um, it's kind of got more exciting since then. But basically, you're talking about a team that will want to establish the run and then get play action, big plays off that. Basically, Minnesota's, Minnesota's offense, where he was OC net last year, basically, that is the offense you will see this year. And it's a very solid game plan, it works a lot of the time. It's, it's problematic when you're behind, but if you can stay ahead or stay keep it close, it has been shown to work. And when you have when you have Chubb and you have Kareem Hunt, you have two. You probably have the best one-two running back punch in the NFL. Like both those guys are great in all aspects of the field. Um, like Chubb as a pure runner is probably better, but Hunt is absolutely amazing as a passing uh, back. Um, so you're talking about a situation here. If the running game can get going. And these offensive line changes that they made with Jack Conklin and, and Jedrick Wills in the draft work out, then this is a team that could easily kind of rack up those yards and make life easy for Baker Mayfield. Because obviously the big problem last year is all the hype was like, we got Baker Mayfield, they brought in OBJ, you know, like they have Jarvis Landry, this is going to be a high octane, like pass it every down offense, and it never worked out. Now OBJ maybe is injured and now they're that he takes plays off, which is probably true. Um, and Baker maybe was overrated. But I think there's no better system when it works than this Stefanski uh, type system, this Shanahan type system to turn running backs into stars and to make life easy on quarterbacks. So if this works out, then I could very much see the Browns becoming a very solid, hard-to-beat team again. And on defense, they definitely need to make improvements. But 
I think the, the things that they added are all kind of solid veterans, and we know that they have a lot of good young talent there as well. I don't think there's quite enough here on the roster, top to bottom, to turn them into a superstar um, based on what they have, but they have that upside potentially. But I think mostly this year is about re-establishing credibility and just not being the Cleveland Browns dumpster fire that we see too often when these changes end up happening. Yeah, my like my problem is, yes, I can see the zone blocking scheme will probably help with the running backs a bit. Um, I, I'm still not 100% sure why they're going to break down between Chubb and Hunt for the for the carries because like Hunt was very or sorry, Chubb was very good last year Hunt was good in spots but he wasn't really used and now there's that potential for I don't know if anything's coming of that that drug stop yeah. with him or whatever but to be honest even if it's Chubb as your as your uh, as your franchise mm. back basically I don't really have a problem with that yeah no I, th- I think I think he's incredibly he's... productive in that role like Kareem Hunt just makes that a mm. a really uh, like kind of puts it up to like elite level type but, of role but like my, my, my problem with this team at the moment is Baker Mayfield like do you trust Baker Mayfield do you think he makes good decisions I think he's got some of the physical tools but I think he's mentally all over the shop he constantly makes bad decisions at the line gets flustered yeah. in big spots like he was throwing he was, he was he was the reason that they lost a lot of their games but if you can establish the play action game that makes a huge difference to the quarterbacks. We saw with Stefanski in Minnesota that Kirk Cousins, a quarterback that neither of us particularly rate, that when you create those play action opportunities, those open plays to, to, to digs and stuff last year in Minnesota, that that makes the quarterback's life easier, that quarterbacks can do that. It's a bit more like college, I suppose, to a certain extent. And I think Baker did show enough in his first year that if he can just, if the game could be simplified down for him if he doesn't have the entire offense on his back that he can be an effective quarterback now that's probably not what you're hoping to get when you draft him number one overall but if you're talking about just getting decent results out of him mm. then i think this is a system that if it works which i think it will work enough um perhaps not in the fc north because it's so stacked but enough in the league in general to make them at least a solid non-trash fire team <laughs> which is for Cleveland you know something to be uh, commended yeah and I'm like and I'm also like that kind of like the there's always that risk then as well with like first time head coach or first year of the new head coach and stuff being in there that might not might not work out like yeah he's new and exciting but we don't know if their if their styles will will meld well, like they said, oh well, he was the guy who maybe we should have given it to last year instead of keeping Kitchens in place, but they didn't, and then Kitchens made a balls of it. So how good are they at deciding what would fit if they if they thought that the oh, Kitchens yeah. thing was a better fit previously? Like I, I don't I don't trust the ownership. Of course. <laughs> like this is a boring. This is like, it's a kind of a boring scheme. It's a boring way of playing the game, but it. It's a, it, if you want to be a solid wildcard type contender team, it's it's a scheme that has, has helped teams like that a lot in the past. It, Fair it enough. just needs to be done properly. And I think they have the pieces, particularly if the offensive line changes work out, mm-hmm. to kind of make it work. Yeah. That's, that's, the, other, that's like, the other thing as well. If they, if they go run first, like you're going to hear no end of shit from OBJ and them going, why am I getting targets? So on out it's just uh, gonna be... He's getting one-on-one coverage, he'll, he'll shut up. Yeah, yeah we'll, see, we'll see. So you have them getting, what, eight and eight, is it? Um, yeah, which is good enough for night. But yeah. as I said, it's mostly just about re-establishing credibility after that tough 2019. I'm possibly overly harsh. I got them going four and 12. I don't have too much trust in them. And I think... It's the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> there was also... There was there was a lot of ones on their... Like, there was just a lot of games on their schedule where I was just looking at it and going, I can't think of the reason that I'm giving them the edge on this one. Because they... They seem to lose all their coin flip games last year through bad decisions of their quarterback, and I haven't seen anything to suggest that's gone yet. So, um, yeah, four and twelve. I'm probably overly harsh. Good for fourteenth. Ravens. 
Ooh, they've added Clays, Campbell, Derek Wolf, Justin Marbique, uh, J.K. Dobbins. I did pretty well in that one, actually. Uh, DJ Fluker, uh, Patrick Queen, and Jake Ryan. They lost Marshall Yonda, Hayden Hurst, Seth Roberts, Patrick Peace, Tony Jefferson, Brandon Carr, Chris Wormley, and Patrick Onowasser. So, this is a team that Benny had penciled in to be in the Super Bowl and they lost to the Titans in the uh, divisional round last year. Very good top to bottom team, normally excellent in drafting. Their quarterback won MVP last year. There doesn't seem to be anything that would suggest that would majorly change going into this year. Yeah, apart from obviously they've lost a little bit of their tight endy type weapon stuff, but like they've got what, 12 on the roster at any given time. So they've they've got plenty there. So Lamar is presumably like looking at him. He's just got room for improvement. He's electric on the ground. His passing was good. Like it, it, it's an awful that some of his, he doesn't have a full, like he's, he's not a pass first guy. He's missing some things from the toolbox, but he's young and he can grow into a load of that stuff. And what they do is very effective with him. The defense presumably will improve with some of the additions that they've made here. Uh, I quite, I quite like a few of them coming in there. I actually, I, I love, I love their draft pick, Patrick Queen. I was like, I was really hoping he'd fall to the Chiefs. And they, they're the kind of team that will know how to use him very, very well. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting what? one. I, 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 I don't think they've gotten particularly worse anywhere anyway. No, they're kind of, I think practically speaking, the things that they did last year is the things that they will do this year. Yeah. And it's just about whether they need they add need to add more wrinkles and continue to add to Lamar's toolbox and just ensure they don't get caught up to from the league. Now, like I remember last year we were saying all oh, that uh, wild card round where you got like where the Chargers kind of figured him out in inverted commas and then they last year obviously Lamar ended up being M V P. So I think yeah, there's there's definitely enough to believe that they can find he even more ways to use Lamar Jackson to create an offense that is dynamic. Whether it can be quite as dynamic and as many points, we'll see, but it'll be enough to get enough points to certainly be one of the AFC's top teams. Mm-hmm. And then on defense, like they lose a few people like Patrick Pierce and Chris Wormley, uh, but they bring in Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf. Like obviously they're gonna bring in defensive veterans and then a bit of obviously a bit of new young talent in, in Patrick Queen from the draft. And I think overall the defense should still be a really good unit and should be more or less where it was last year. Now, like training for Clays Campbell is a win now move given that Lamar is on his rookie contract. And yeah, I think maybe the only unknown or X factor that they've done this offseason is J.K. Dobbins. Like this guy is getting a lot of hype from certain quarters, especially the fantasy community. Uh, where he's a guy that people are really rating as being a steal in the draft. And obviously we know that run for a scheme, uh, like they have Mark Ingram and they have a couple of other guys there already, um, but maybe Dobbins is someone who kind of breaks out in year one and becomes the lead dog in that rotation. I don't know they're going to keep rotating a lot, but if he becomes a lead dog, then who knows what kind of uh, impact that he could have. But overall, it, it, they're basically more or less the same team. They're really, they've always been a very solid, hard-working team under Harbaugh and I don't expect them to make much of a fallback um, so I have them going 12-4 and four, good enough for the number 2 seed and losing in the AFC Championship so yeah. Yeah, I think the Ravens there's not much else to say except that they're, they're, they were a good team last year there's no reason to believe they won't be a good team this year no of course I've got them going 14-2 and two, good for the first seed overall and I think also have them losing in the AFC Championship but uh yeah. But to who, Connor? I could not forget. The Browns. Uh, no. 
The Beckle. Okay, we'll move on to the final team in the AFC. Yeah, Ravens, they're going to be good. You don't need to worry. Like, the only thing that's going to derail them is, and it'll happen to almost any team, an injury to the quarterback. Like, that's that's about it. Like Next up, we have the Steelers. Uh, so, obviously, they get back Ben Roethlisberger from injury. Hopefully, he's lost those £140 that he's put on in the offseason. Tight end wide receiver Eric Ebron, uh, Chase Claypool coming in. They've also added Steve Wisniewski and Derek Watt. They lost... Javon Hargrave, BJ Finley, Nick Finette, uh, Tyler, Jesus, Tyler Matakevich? Yeah, Artie Burns, Sean Davis, Mark Barron. Artie Burns, I'm really sorry to see these. I always just just imagine just an old man, kind of like Montgomery Burns. <laughs> yeah, I know he wasn't doing too great for them. Obviously, they were missing their first round pick because they traded for the safety Fitzpatrick, who's been playing a fucking blinder for them. So that's, you know, I'll count that in the plus for this, for this year as well. But yeah, so... This is a team that showed last year that their defense was playing at an elite enough level that they could try and drag terrible pieces of shit at quarterback to nearly making the playoffs. Where, let's be honest, they would have been destroyed if they had gotten in because they didn't have the firepower to sit with any of the bigger teams. But that in itself is, is impressive. Big Ben now comes back off the injury. If he is actually healthy and he can have a proper season, like it was only, what, two seasons ago that he was... 4,800 yards, 40 touchdowns kind of, kind of level. Like he's, he's always been big, big time performer for them whenever he's healthy. And like, yes, he mocks up his, his injuries and I'm not a big fan of his, but him, him on the team last year would have meant a proper contender team, I think. So the question is, can that defense maintain the level of play it had from last year? Can, Roethlisberger come in and be the player he was and if if he can't what do they have because I think they showed last year whoever whoever's going to be the replacement for Roethlisberger because even if he's healthy he's not that much left in the tank whoever is replacing him was not on their roster last year yeah and like it's, it's the, the only like they have Paxton Lynch now in there alongside Hodges and Rudolph so oh, I don't think gosh. that's going to be the big the big difference and like look there are questions along their offense outside of Roethlisberger mm. like at running back they, they, like, they haven't changed anything it's still going to be mostly like, they drafted like a, a rookie late on but James Conner is still yeah. I suppose, theoretically their number one like uh, running back and they're still hoping that Juju Smith-Schuster will turn into a bona fide wide receiver one which he, he didn't really kind of elevate to after they lost Brown uh, a couple of seasons ago so I think there's enough like wide receiver two three type players that it's not going to be a disaster but you know, like you kind of going over them, you kind of go, where are the high level blue chip offensive talents? And you're kind of lacking them. But yeah, I think, you know, we all know that the quarterback is the most important position. And if Ben Roethlisberger comes back and is playing at a high level, then yeah, that defense is good enough to carry the team many, many places. So it's just a question of whether Ben Roethlisberger is coming back healthy uh, and then can stay healthy. And, you know, probably, I suppose, like we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, that he can manage to do that and then he can make the rest of his talent look better like Eric Ebron is someone I could see definitely having maybe a bounce back season Mm -hmm. um, after maybe a little bit of a downward trend in 2019 compared to 2018 but yeah I think this is all about the defence and to be honest they they haven't changed much this offseason so you're basically talking about their 2019 roster with a few like sprinkles on top um, on the offense, and then the defense is more or less the same thing. Because like some of these guys, like Artie Burns and Mark Barron, are names you might have heard of, but they weren't really contributors no. on the defense last year. These are guys that had names, were names, not not games kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And so you have a, the only guy that they lost that was actually a contributor was Javon Hargrave. He is definitely a missing there, but if, if you kind of trust. 
that the Steelers have a guy or guys that they can bring in and still get pressure from their defensive line. And so, yeah, I think Pittsburgh, they're just a solid team. We kind of trust that they'll always be at least decent. And if Ben Roethlisberger can stay healthy all season, then I think they're definitely a contender um, to get to the playoffs at the very least. So, uh, you know, I think it, 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 there's, it'll all come down to Big Ben, probably, in my opinion. And for now, I think he's the kind of player who's come back from injuries before and played well. So we'll say that he might have one or possibly even more one more seasons in them before we see the inevitable decline that happens to everyone as they get older. Yeah. Um, so I have to go in 10 and 6, getting 6 seed, getting eliminated in the wildcard round. So, you know, solid enough season, yep. but not exactly. I've got, I'm pretty much the same level. I got them 9 and 7 getting the 6 seed, and I think also same going out in the wildcard round. But, uh, I need to confirm that. Uh, I really, I really should have written down the playoff. I've got, I've got my full listings for where everyone finishes, but then I forgot to, I forgot to note the uh, the playoff positioning. So uh, you just penciled in who won the Super Bowl, who I can definitely not guess who. <laughs> and you're like, well, the rest is irrelevant. Ah, uh, no, no, the rest was because I wanted to because I, I know, I know that I've got it that like the Ravens host the AFC Championship game and we have to go up to Baltimore for it. There is one bit of uh, breaking news, uh, Connor, uh, before we uh, finish up and go into our inevitable talk of what's happening. Uh, Chris Jones has signed an extension with the Kansas City Chiefs. Excellent! Year, 85 million, 60 million guaranteed. Perfect. And the man has got paid, and I think you are very, very happy with the Oh, I'm fucking loving that. And also, this is, this is the level of um, contract I talked to you about two days ago. I said, like, hit the 20 per year, guarantee the first three years of it, and then, like, yeah... Because, yeah, perfect. I'm really happy with that. <laughs> he's one of the best defensive tackles in the league, and yeah, he's, he's earned it over the last years. And, like, given the way he even played coming off that injury late last season, mm. he, he looked like a force, even though you could tell that he was definitely still hurt. And I think that's a, a sign of the kind of dedication and talent that you're going to get in that him. So, yeah, yeah well earned. And he gets, uh, gets that, that, that security that obviously players are very much interested in at the moment, given the uh, economic and social circumstances. Yeah, no, that's good. Gonna run it back, baby. Run it back. <laughs> should add. Should better, better, better add an extra win or two. Maybe we're not the second seed. Uh, <laughs> oh my! But no, that's that's good stuff. So um, yeah, our next one we're gonna look at the AFC South and the AFC West, and we'll have less news to get through then. Hopefully, fingers crossed. We'll have the updates on all the like you know. We'll have an update on COVID. That'll be done by then. And uh, so so we'll racial inequality, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure all this news stories will be done. No, of course. Um, but yeah, so I suppose for now that will wrap us up. So yeah, I, I, we, if you want to send in questions, these previews aren't a great time for us to get to questions because we normally just roll them into discussions about the teams. But we might look at it if we can uh, for later pods. So fire them into us on the email and everything. Um, but yeah, for now, I suppose it's bye from me, bye from Fitz. Bye. This has been All Four Quarters. Thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next week.